0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Vulnerable Entrepreneurs coming at you from the great city of Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm Sean Riley. And I'm Kam Intharath. And today, like always, we're having a no-bullshit conversation about the entrepreneurial way of
1: life. Sean, as a, as a kid, my favorite animal is an elephant. I always love elephants. Uh, maybe because I'm from Asia, a lot of elephants over there. I don't know, but I've always liked elephants. I think they could do a lot of a lot of things. They're big and strong, and they have those really cool tusks that can grab um, all these different things. So, you know what what are what's like your favorite animal and like why why is it? I have
0: to go with elephant, and and the reason why is because I, I look at them as an underdog they are not typically looked at as being intelligent or or as intelligent as they actually are but they're very intelligent and i believe the elephants have a little bit of irish in them because we hold a grudge like you have no idea we will hold a grudge billy driscoll in second grade stole a truck from me and if i saw him today i think i'd go to blows with him and that was second grade that was 1970. Who cares? It was a long time ago. So elephants do the same thing. They never forget. They're going to, they're going to remember everything. So I look at them as, as, uh, beautiful and strong and graceful, but they're also smart. And I, and I think that's pretty cool. And,
1: and, and why I bring this up, cause we're excited to have a very dear friend of mine and our, our guest today, who is a lover of all animals, but, um, the unique thing about uh, Jeannie is that she had she had an elephant as and, um, you know, she had four elephants. So, you know, I would love to see here, hear Jeannie a little bit, tell about that in a second here. But, you know, what we're really excited about Jeannie here being on the Vulnerable Entrepreneur, she, she brings a lot to the table. You know, she is the president and CEO of the Blackstone Valley Chamber of Commerce. And she has see, received numerous awards across the board, including the Worcester Business Journal Outstanding Woman in Business Award, the Power 50, but she is super powerful. She gets things to make things happen. The CMR PC Economic Development Driver Award and the Rams Retailer of the Year. Um, and all of her hard work and dedication definitely shines through as she serves on so many boards. It's countless. And these are some boards she's on now, which is the Quicksigamon Community College, Massachusetts Association, of the Chamber of Commerce Executives and the uh, f- former Tourism Director at Discover Central Mass. Jeannie's passion for the community allowed her to make huge impacts here in central Massachusetts and really across the state, which has been recognized nationally as well, because uh, I believe her-, her chamber last year won the Chamber of the Year which is a huge, huge um, feather in her cap and and for all the wonderful work that she's doing. So she's a big inspiration to me and everyone around her uh, along the way. So Jeannie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming.
2: Oh, thank you so much. It's an honor for me to be here. And um, you actually are an inspiration to me and your your wonderful mother too, Moon. She's an amazing woman. You should have her on the show too. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, to have uh, brought you here as an immigrant, and you know, um, to um, do what you've done and the success that you have achieved, we're all very proud of you. Com serves on my board of directors, and uh, we're going to uh, award um, the InThink Agency our volunteer organization of the year because of all of what you do and uh, we're very very proud to be associated with you as well and thank Thank you you. for mentioning my lovely elephants i miss them greatly (laughs) i had four rescued african elephants um, when i owned the hebert candy mansion and uh, we had them there. Uh, They had 27 pitchfork wounds. The bottoms of their feet were rotting from standing in their own waist. They're horribly malnourished. They came from a defunct zoo in the Midwest. We did our best to um, nurse them back to health and um, find homes for them. Unfortunately, we were not able to place all four of them in the same place. As you can imagine, that was quite an undertaking. And uh, thanks to our friends at Southwick Zoo, uh, Justine Southwick Brewer, who let us use the elephant barn in the winter because, as you know, elephants really don't belong here. These were African elephants. You uh, were talking about Asian elephants. They have the square ears. African elephants have the beautiful ears that are shaped like Africa. And my favorite one was Willie. He was the largest, he still is the largest working African elephant in North America, and he got the best home. He was at Epcot up until about a year and a half ago, and uh, he had a son while he was at Epcot, uh, and uh, he... um, was separated from his son, which I was a little upset over and uh, brought to the Cleveland Zoo. But I felt better because they also brought one of the other elephants that had been living in the Philadelphia Zoo for 15 years to the Cleveland Zoo, so they were reunited. So he's with his friend. The unique thing about Willie is he has one tusk. His other tusk was um, abscessed and we had to have it removed. And uh, so he's very distinctive. He weighs about 13,000 pounds and he's 11 feet tall. So he's my big boy. (laughs) But they're doing great. And and as you said, Sean, they are wonderful, wonderful animals. Not only um, are they very intelligent and they do not forget because when I would go visit Willie at Epcot, I would yell to him and he would come running over. He would remember me just like a dog. Um, But they also have a sense of family. Willie was the biggest of the culls, so he would protect the others. If anyone came walking up to the other elephants, he just slowly walked over and got between you and the other elephant to make sure that you were not going to harm them. So um, I have a lot of respect for those animals, and it's horrible what happens to them. Humans are not only depleting our planet and damaging our planet, but they also do very cruel things and try to always dominate. The animal species. So you know, we could learn a lot from the animals.
0: How is just as a as a aside? How is the overall elephant population in, in the world? I'm sure it varies from place to place, but overall, do you have a general sense of it's, that. I'm just it's curious. It is in
2: danger. It is in danger. It's an endangered species. It's still on the endangered species list. It it is on the endangered species list because of ignorant cultures who think that their tusks can bring them certain powers or just like with the rhinoceros i think the rhinoceros are even in worse shape than elephants and i mean the rhinoceros horn is generally just made of hair so all of these claims that it claims uh, that it cures cancer and all these other things that it's just a myth doesn't happen and it's such a shame to the point where um in africa a lot of um People who are trying to save elephants will um, drug them, cut off their tusks to try to save their life, because that's what they're after. They're after the ivory. They sell the ivory to make money, and uh, it's horrible. And I'm really glad that in the United States, you're not allowed to have ivory. You aren't even able to sell an antique, like an antique sword that has an ivory handle from the Civil War when it was okay. Oh, wow. So, I mean, they bring it to that extreme. So, and I'm glad that they do, but um, you know, we, I love elephants. I love all animals. I have a charity for animals, but um, I love in uh, elephants most of all.
0: You know, you bring up Southwicks. Um, it's interesting. It's a small world. Like I coached um, Mike Maxwell at Netmuck High School. I was a lacrosse coach over there for a while and went through that, but also didn't, Southwick have either the last or one of the last. Um, was it North American? Is a black rhino? The the rhino they had. Yeah, there was, it's there.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. still there. Yeah, yeah you can t- to raise money. Uh, you can go on a rhino encounter. And uh, you can get close to the rhino and learn about the rhino, and um, it's it's important. They have a charity called Earth Limited at Southwick, and we work with them, and we help. They're part of the chamber. They're chamber members. They're great chamber supporters. And we actually are holding events there because uh, zoos were the first um uh, entities to open because of the large space. And I don't know if you know this, but um, Southwick Zoo is New England's largest zoo. They have over 250 acres there. Yeah, including the
0: deer That's right.
2: So we yeah. held an evening event there not too long ago, Safari at Sunset, where everyone had the uh, run of the zoo. And we're going to have our Jingle and Mingle there in their winter wonderland, where we'll have um, the fire pits open, hot chocolate blankets, and you'll be able to see the light show that they have there for for the winter. Just, um, I, we um, advertise Safari at Sunset that not only would you see the animals in their natural habitat, but you also see humans out and about with masks on, but actually, you know, um, in their um, environment where they can um, talk with each other, so, and converse, because humans, you know, are um, also social animals, so, <laughs>
0: or mammals, I think that, animals. I think that's, that's wonderful. You yeah. know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today... And and, and frankly, you can just tell by having a conversation with you is how passionate you are about what you do. And and I'm not sure that a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of entrepreneurial people, um, if they have that at the beginning, that's great. But it's, I would think, challenging to maintain, particularly as your business goes through cycles. But in speaking to you just for five minutes about, frankly, elephants and wildlife, you can see your passion Come through. If you look at your chamber and, and your constituency, how important do you do you see? How often, I should say, do you see that same type of passion? And how important is it um, in running a business, yourself included, um, in doing what you do? I think that
2: is the difference between success and failure. Uh, some, if you have the right reason, if it's your passion, and you're willing to listen and to others. Work with mentors like Com. Calm. Com's been very good working with a lot of our businesses. Uh, we provide a lot of services at the Blackstone Valley Chamber. We're not. Just a social club. We're actually not a social club. We do have some, obviously, social events, as I mentioned, but we really, our passion is business. We want to help people, and I actually thrive on challenge. I enjoy solving problems, and I enjoy helping people to solve problems, connect, and convene with them. Uh, You know, we do have people who come in and they have an idea about what they're going to do, and we're very frank with them. If it's something that uh, is a good idea. And we can see that it's going to be successful. You know, we offer them everything from soup to nuts. They We have free counseling, we have an attorney that will that offers his time and talent to help them if they need to get any permitting or, or licensing. We have uh, counselors like calm is, is one of our counselors, but we have um, financiers and retired bankers who work with them we have accountants who will show them how to use QuickBooks and go through their books if they're for instance we had someone who was purchasing a store a convenience store, they always wanted to own a little store, uh, showed us, I said, get us your QuickBooks printout, brought it in, and they went, good, huh? And we went, no, not good. (laughs) You know, it's like, you got to learn how to read it. We have courses like um, financial reports for the non-financial manager so that you can learn how to read a financial report. And when you're purchasing a certain business, everything is different. Like that person that was buying the convenience store, you have to make sure you do an inventory because you're buying that inventory. If you don't don't consider that, they can take everything with them and just leave you the building and you've just lost half of your business. So you have to be really educated. But um, if it's your passion and you have that desire and you're willing to listen and learn how to run your business, you're going to be extremely successful. We have a young woman that come knows very well that she came to us and her first venture, she wanted to do a food truck. And we talked to her about it and said, you know, I, I don't, her passion was really cooking. So he said, you know, I mean, you could do a food truck, but I think, you know, I think you might be better suited to a brick and mortar restaurant. And we, we helped her along the way. She took every course that we have, every accounting course, all the entrepreneurial courses, met with all of our um, counselors. And we helped her to find, to get a loan, to get a storefront, to put it together. She has become so successful with her passion. It's a um, whole foods type of restaurant. It really caught on. There are lines of people even now during COVID ordering food and she's looking at a second location. So two years she's been in business and now she's opening her second location. So this is the kind of success story that we have. And it's if you will listen, if you have a passion, and you know what she loves doing it, and you know owning a restaurant is a lot of time and effort. She's there early in the morning. She goes shopping for the food sure. herself. She puts it together. She has wonderful people that work for her. It's a great atmosphere. And here she is opening her um, her second restaurant, but she loves it. So it's not work. It's it's not a burden. It's it's a joy for her. And that's what you want when you're an entrepreneur. You want to do what you love. Excellent, excellent point.
1: Yeah. And Jeannie, to that to that point too for yourself, I'm always amazed how you juggle so many things. And I'm just like, how is she still on at different times of I don't even know if you sleep or not, but <laughs> your passion is helping people and helping the community. And I think it all comes full circle. Um, I think one of the projects that I would like to kind of have you give a little lens about is we want people to hear that, you know, there's a lot more context to, to, to different people's success, right? They don't see all the the hard stuff, the failures or the lessons you might want to call them. So, you know, you, you started the ed hub, which is, you know, the yeah. manufacturing, advanced manufacturing, um, training
2: center. Uh, yeah.
1: And completely not in probably the same wheelhouse as what the chamber does, but it was an opportunity for you. So there's entrepreneurs right now thinking, should I try add this new product? Should I do this new service? Should I completely change my business and get into something? Tell me about like your mindset there. When this opportunity came up, how did you walk yourself through it? And then, and then what were some challenges that you were facing?
2: It was a very challenging project, but that was born from the Chamber, too, and from necessity. We had manufacturers coming to us saying that they could not get skilled workers. They had orders. They were turning away business. They had enough work that they could add shifts, but they did not have uh, the people, and there were no skilled workers. There was no skilled worker pool to pull from. So, uh, we went the conventional route. We started holding job fairs, trying to recruit people, the whole bit. It still wasn't working. And I went to uh, an event at one of the vocational schools in the area, and their headmaster was bragging that 95% of their students were going to college and a light bulb went off, because that was the pool you used to pull from was the vocational schools. They were the kids that weren't going to college, they were going straight to work, and this wasn't happening anymore. If 95% of that pool was going to college, those were all the workers, the skilled workers that these companies were looking for. So I talked to some of the superintendents in the public school, And and they told us that this was a real problem for them because the vocational schools were taking the academically superior students, recruiting them away from them, and they were not taking the students that wanted to go into the workforce. So they were now in the public schools, which had changed their curriculum to college curriculum. So these poor students who really didn't want Or have an aptitude for college courses were forced to take them and therefore the dropout rate was going up and um, they became discipline problems because they didn't want to be in school this was not what they were interested in and uh, we get a call from Northbridge High School principal saying I have this this um, senior here he's great at what he does he really wants to work on cars The best we can give him is computer science. He can take computers apart and work on not what he wants to do. He's this close from graduating and he's going to drop out because he hates it. So we made some phone calls to the Diesel Training Center in Shrewsbury and we connected them and put a deal together so this student could take this diesel course and get math credit for it to graduate and stay in school. So it was almost like working with a work study program in a public school. But this kid got to graduate with his class and he got to get a certification to work on diesel motors. So it was a win-win for everybody. And there's a big demand for diesel mechanics. So he could go on and have a great career path and make a lot of money. So in doing that sort of thing, we knew there there was a demand for a training center for these kids. And we could work with the public schools for that. And adults that graduated high school and were sitting at home on their parents' couch because they weren't going to college. So, we reached out to um, our legislators and the higher learning institutions in the area, the community colleges, to see if they would work with us on that. We wrote a work skills grant with the help of our our legislators, and we got a $500,000 grant from the Department of Ed, a work skills grant. We did a build out here at the mill and uh, we worked with skilled people to populate it. And we built a computer lab that was uh, loaded with computers and uh, that were CAD ready. And we have a design lab with 3D printers and all of the design software and elements um, and blueprint reading and so forth. We put in a fabrication lab and an equipment lab, which now is equipped with augmented welders uh, we're going to be teaching a, a welding certification course, which is a great career path. you can get a lot of money doing welding. And we just got some more CNC machines and lathes and mills. And I just put in an order for $119,000 for some robotics. So we're going to be teaching robotics. So, uh, you know, we've graduated two. Uh, we've only been together for two years. We've graduated two two classes already uh, and we've had um, some high school students that took a year well almost a whole year because COVID hit and uh, we're working with the high schools now to put together some other studies safely we're doing remote classes with uh, the Job Corps, the Grafton Job Corps. We graduated their first class, we're on the second cohort for that. We just started the second cohort on our reentry program, which we do in, in partnership with the Worcester County House of Correction uh, for these men who have been paroled. And we, uh, I'm really pleased to say that we placed every single one of them in manufacturing, very good manufacturing jobs. Uh, and then the second cohort is now remote and they're working on their OSHA 10 certification. And we've adapted, we're making videos um, of the teachers working on the machines so they can see, especially the job core students, cause they're all over the United States. They can see the machines that they'll be working on. Hopefully fingers crossed in January, we can start the hands on. They'll be coming back to campus because um, job Corps has not had, their, um, anyone on campus since COVID hit, they sent everybody home. But they, um, they're the only job corps that's offering advanced manufacturing. So we're getting students from all across the United States. And um, cute little story, um, when our Lieutenant Governor, uh, Karen Polito came to um, award the certificates to the graduating students, she looked at their address and she said, Jeannie, Are these people going home? We're teaching them this book. You know, we're trying to populate Massachusetts. I said, oh, no, they're all staying here. We placed them all in Massachusetts. The last young girl in the class that we actually pushed over the finish line with her Mac with two certification and her NIMS certification, which is metal metallurgy. Um, we made sure everybody passed. We did, the teachers were great. They did extra courses for any of them that were having trouble. We did tutoring. We got her placed in Gillette. She's she's got a great job. So all of these students have a great career path and uh, they stayed here in Massachusetts. So it's working. The plan is working. And I'll tell you that it was very challenging because we had very prominent people say to my face, you're never going to it's never going to work. You know, um, the vocational one of the vocational schools said to me, "We get the cream of the crop. You're going to get the bottom of the barrel. You're never going to be able to do this. You're a dreamer." Well, I wear my little John Lennon um, necklace that says, "Some people say I'm a dreamer," but it's, it's okay. right, second over over second year and still going strong, even with
0: COVID. One one of the things that we we. I do it as kind of an investment advisor, but it was an advisor to entrepreneurs is is we call it really floodlight to spotlight. And what does that mean? You have an entrepreneur that has a very bright set of energy, a dream, a passion about something, but they don't, it's very wide. They don't know how to hone it in and really focus. And what is what do I mean by that? To make it into a business and all the programs that you have. Um, and even as you describe uh, the lady, with the restaurant, how you kind of took her floodlight, her wide perspective of starting something and it looked like it was going to be a food truck. How do you make that into a a spotlight? How do you take that energy, recognize that it might be too wide and help that entrepreneur really focus it into a spotlight into really what could be very successful. You know yourself, you could have passion and you could have desire and you could have a great idea, but turning that into a business and then turning that into a sustainable business that runs year on year, as you can attest very well, is very difficult. How do you help entrepreneurs and business owners keep that spotlight pointed at what makes them successful without losing their passion in the same way? Well, I
2: think that success depends upon the entrepreneur too. Um, You can see that they, they have a passion. They, you know, they have a desire and you have all the tools to make them successful. But it's the way in which they utilize the tools. And that goes to their character, their willingness to listen to others who have been down that road before to that, you know, to take advantage of their experience and mentorship and to um, put it to good use. And we can guide them down the path. As you said, like a floodlight, it's to kind of rein them in and put them in a focus and get them on that career path. But it's up to them to stay on that career path. I mean, we've had people that another person, another restaurant, looking at a property, and we knew the property was not going to be a successful property. It had been a restaurant over and over and over again, and the location was not good. This person was bound and determined to purchase that location, even though we told them, we do not recommend this. We do not recommend this. We, it's, has look at, you know, past experience. And this person had the desire, they wanted to own a restaurant, you know, but the person also wanted music and it, you know, it was more of their music and was saying, well, maybe you should be thinking about another path. I know that, oh no, I can be a DJ. I can do this. Well, that's not the restaurant business and this is not right. the location, but they're right. looking at, I can afford this and this and that. And you know what I'm going to say? They bought the location, they had everything there and nobody came because the location was bad. And right, they lost legacy. everything. They put everything into it, which you should never do anyway. You should never put your personal money into it. You need to be able to, you know, raise capital or have investors. And the poor guy lost everything. But he just was not going to listen. And, if, and that's it. If, if you're willing to open up and you're willing to take the advice, you're willing to listen and be reasonable, you're going to be a success.
1: And genius, I'm assuming that's also life lessons that you've had, right? Throughout oh, yeah. throughout your career. Oh, yeah, yeah you,
2: family business, family 101. Yeah, just you want to just shoot yourself some mornings.
1: <laughs> a lot of business. <laughs> a, a, there lot you of, do. a lot of business right now, we're, we're heading to Q4. Right? A lot of businesses are reassessing <laughs> their business. I probably wish they can turn back a time and no one can predict what's going on with the pandemic. But, you know, what, what, what times in your life that you felt you wish you could have gone back and turned back because a decision you made didn't work out? No.
2: I think that, um, and I think my late husband would attest to this too. I think, you know, family, as I said, family businesses, um, I think not being strong enough to really look at it as a business and not a family and realizing that not everyone in the family should be on the payroll you know, they need to be just like a regular business. If you're not contributing and uh, even though, you know, and it's difficult in a feeling because you love everyone and you're with them all the time, but if they're not suited to that career path and they're not contributing to the business and they're actually um, taking away from the business, it's only going to bring everyone else down. And that's what happens. So I think a lot of hard decisions should have been made along the way, and they were not. And, um, you know, that's what happens. So I think we should have been stronger in that respect. And it's a tough, tough, tough family businesses. And, you know, if you went to business school, that's a course within itself, family businesses, the dynamic. I mean, look at the poor Gucci's. They ended up shooting and killing each other. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's uh, exactly. family, yeah. Yeah, U-Haul, one of they had one of the wives killed. I mean, they were just terrible and then they lost it all. You know, this this podcasts on family businesses that are very interesting to listen to. So luckily we only, you know, ended up selling the business. We didn't we came we came to blows, didn't kill each other, but <laughs> we only, you know, ended up selling the business. And then, you know, that was it. But so tough decisions. But for the common good, I think you really have to um, search your heart the best thing to do.
1: Now, with family businesses, too, I was, uh, you know, you're, always, you're deciding who works in the business or not. Yeah. If you're not in the family business, which is really difficult, it's really yeah. even difficult for businesses who, who, who are not family, right? They're just, just a business who's like a manager who might need to lay off 50 people. Who do I pick? Like I think a lot of businesses are restructuring.
2: Yeah,
1: have you? I mean, gone we had members field? of the family
2: that once we had direct deposit, we never saw them again. So I mean, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, that's a good point. A lot of the, and I would love to see a statistic on it, but a lot of businesses, family businesses, you know, not to sound overly critical, become charities. There's those doers that are going to. To do the do. And there are those family members that in any other environment or any other business they would be let go for, for oh, non-performance. Yeah. But it's it's the fault of the of the employee that, that disappears after their direct deposit goes through. And it's also to a large degree the fault of the senior executives, yes. those family members, because in a way you are propagating that along. You don't want to fire your you're, I mean, I was in, I had the same thing happen. I had a family business. I was in business with my cousin. He ended up suing me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah, not shocked. That's, that's, not shocked. Yeah, yeah, not shocked at all. And no. and frankly, it's fairly common.
2: It is. Yeah, family businesses are the worst, and it's too bad. And it's usually the third generation. Uh, because the first generation starts it, the second generation works for it. But when you get to the third generation, the second generation thinks they're doing well by um, not teaching their kids to really work as hard as they did because they want to make it easier for them. They're not helping them at all because then they get a sense of entitlement and they really don't know how to work. And it's just a cash cow to them. And by the third generation, and then you get into the fourth generation, really, it's not a cash cow anymore. I mean, it's just should not be an automatic that if you have the right. same last name, you're on the payroll. You know, you really need that. to learn how to work. So family businesses are tough, very tough.
0: Well, and we had started this conversation by talking about passion. And I think as the generations kind of move forward, um, that passion is spread thinner across those generations. The fourth generation is the fourth generation um, away from the founder, the people mm-hmm. that started it, but I mean, you would, it's perfectly normal to think that your level of passion is going to be that much far removed from the founders of the business. Just like if you're an employee and you work for the founder of the company, sure, you're going to be, you might be passionate and engaged and hardworking, but you're not going to have the same level of intimacy that the founder of the business has with the business. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well.
2: Yeah. And if you want to stay in business, you have to, and you're right about the CEO, the CEO needs to make uh, business decisions, not family decisions. And it's exactly very right. difficult in a family business, if a family member is a CEO, you know, to make to separate that, you know, because, you know, your, your heart is is not the
0: direction you should be using you should be using your head so it's, it's not easy to do when you're the ceo and it's an employee and then it's you your couple brother, the it's with, your, you yeah, know it's, and now it's a family yeah. member it makes it even worse and you yeah, don't want to be the horrible. guy that has to decide to fire your brother i mean that's right. just, you just don't want to be that person no but that's yeah. what happens and frankly i would argue it probably should happen a lot more frequently than it does
2: very much so. And I think you can see that over and over and over again in many businesses that started out as family businesses. And then they're either no more or they they were bought out and, you know, they're not what they used to be because, you know, they've become part of a bigger company. But, you know, so those are hard. I think those are the hardest decisions come to answer your question. Yeah.
1: No, there is. I think a lot of people who, who may be in a family business who are listening, I think they can get, you know, some it, it's okay, you know, that they're going through that hardship. Yeah. and versus, I think sometimes you you're 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 head down, you're in your own silo, of your business, and it's like, am I going through this? Am I the only one? Am I running a bad company? Am I making the wrong decisions? Mm-hmm. You know, Sean uses the analogy of islands. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs are on little islands, but we're close to each other. You know, and we're trying right. to create this community here with this podcast and and reach out to other folks and say it's okay. Talk to us. Well, someone here is probably going through it, um, and we hopefully some. Can uh, learn from it, and and it's a lesson. It's a life lesson. So, with with Very all
2: important calm what you just said, because you really need to talk someone that talk to someone who's outside of the situation, someone who is you know even if you came to the chamber and we had you talk to a counselor, you know it would it, it would give you a different perspective, a totally different perspective, and that could change everything.
1: Yeah, a lot of times I have to always just remind my team, like perspective when, when there's challenging things happening with our company, because we're trying to scale and, you know, things might look like they're falling apart. But when you talk to other experts who know your industry or you talk to other, other owners, they're like, actually, we went through that too. That's, that's, that's part of the process. So you're at this point, not you're going to get here. So it's just reassuring. So sometimes, yeah, having that mentor, someone that you can talk to um, is definitely, it will help. Cause if you, if you try to do it all alone, it's, it can be very lonely and really stressful. You
2: know? Yes, very um, much so. Yep.
1: So we have one more question for you and then, then Sean's going to do his, uh, his rapid fire questions for you next. So I think a lot of folks always try to find out, How does that, how does someone like Jeannie, you know, have all this success or can get out there and also has this energy to hustle? Like, are there books that you read? Like, what is, what's, what's, what's the secret sauce for you, Jeannie? Like, how, how does, how do you make that work?
2: Well, as I said, I thrive on challenge. I love solving problems. I love connecting people. If someone calls me and says, oh, I need, you know, can you help me do this? I mean, that almost becomes my personal project to help people. But um, what I use now is I love podcasts. I really do. And I'm not just saying that's because this is a podcast, but I get so much information and guidance from different perspectives, different podcasts, different people, um, like I said, the podcast on family businesses, I found that so fascinating. Alan Alda has a great podcast uh, called Clear and Vivid, which is um, very cerebral. and I love that podcast. Uh, just listening to that and it might not even be business related, but the way that they talk about communication, because communication is so very important. How you communicate something to someone. And, you know, your success is part of this. People think differently when someone is in business and maybe Maybe they need an investor it's all in the way they make their communication of their presentation in order to um, to find maybe find the investors Achilles heel on why would you want to invest in my company you need to be able to do that research and be able to communicate properly in order to translate your passion to them so they can see that this is a good investment for them they're gonna get a great ROI if they invest with you so um, I guess just keeping an open mind and learning in different fields and being able to um, convert what we learn to get on the path to reach our goal. I I guess if, if, you know, I hope I put that the right way. Um, It's just not one, you know, go, y'all, you know this is how we got that like the angels start to sing I think it takes a lot to put everything together and to get the right answers
0: Jeannie this is my fourth startup Wrath Capital is my fourth one I haven't heard angels singing yet are they supposed to and if so, and if so what year do they come out because I apparently I'm selling myself short I've heard no angels no angels singing I haven't, haven't seen reach them Nirvana yet I guess I guess not I guess not I'll be on the lookout <laughs> Now this is our our kind of a little bit of uh, we always have fun but this this kind of amps it up a little bit in in fun homage for you, maybe huh <laughs> <laughs> well yes that's true but as a homage to um, a TV show that was called Inside the Actors Studio. Oh, I, James loved, I
2: loved James Lipton, poor James
0: Lipton. Then you'll be, ve- I know. And yeah. it was, um, he was a hero of mine. I thought he yeah. was an amazingly talented. of Saturday but homage parodying him so well. <laughs> oh, will Ferrell was unbelievable doing him. But as homage to him and to <laughs> Bernard Pivo, we would like to have you go through Bernard Pivo's questionnaire. And we will start by saying, what is your favorite word? Um, I think my favorite word is yes. <laughs> we've had that as a favorite word, and we've had it as a least favorite word. So uh-huh. I will say, what is what is your least favorite word?
2: Um, probably a word I use too much, saying yes. <laughs>
0: uh, I'll say, why did I agree to do that? What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. What what turns you on? And I will say that. That we always go for that E on our podcast, the explicit. So you have the floor, you're free to answer that however you would like without any guidance from You mean what turns
2: me on like with people or situations? Anything
0: or, you want. We've had you would be shocked at some of the answers oh, we get. Some of them well, are what a turns a frightening, me on some is, of them are great.
2: Is an act of kindness is seeing people helping people, working together. Um for a common good. I think whenever I can witness an act of kindness that really warms my
0: heart. That's a great answer. What turns you off?
2: Cruelty, ignorance, anyone who belittles, bullying, anything like that. It just makes my blood boil. Yeah.
0: What um, sound do you love?
2: Oh, I love um, water. I love the sound of moving water. As long as it's not in my basement.
0: <laughs> That's a great answer. Here what at the sound Ed hub, do you- we've had that. We've had a <laughs> couple floods at the head hub. I too you don't myself. like that. <laughs> you have too. <laughs> well, what sound do you hate?
2: Um, I hate when the television doesn't work and you get that. <sighs> like, I can't stand that sound. I have to mute it immediately. I hate it.
0: What's that? They the call it black noise, white noise. Aesthetic is the or something? Oh, oh, I hate yeah, it. It
2: drives awful. me crazy.
0: <laughs> this is one of my favorites. What is your favorite curse word?
2: Um, poopy face.
0: <laughs> That's excellent. That is excellent. <laughs> what profession other than yours would you like to try?
2: I guess um, probably. Um, I don't know what you call it. It's those, I mostly see gentlemen doing it, young African men where they foster the baby elephants that the mothers have been killed and the babies are left and they bond with the elephants. They sleep with the elephants and no they kidding. them. yeah, I would love to be able to do that. That would be a wonderful career.
0: Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. What profession would you not like to participate in?
2: Um, cleaning out drains. We've we've had a couple of drain problems here and I've watched the poor guys here have to clean out the drains in the yeah. I'm like, ooh, mm would like to drink, do that.
0: Drink cleaning bless, is interesting because God the better you them. are, the dirtier you get. Right? Yeah. And the they're, a you are. they're a hero. They're a hero because we can
2: use the bathroom again, but it is yeah, not it's a tough job.
0: <laughs> and lastly, if heaven exists, what would you like? To hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I have all of your dogs here for you to play with. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's great. Well, I have to say from my perspective, uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon. It's always good to get a different perspective that turns out to be quite similar to what we all have. And I think that to come's point, it's we, we think that we're on this island and every problem we have is original and we're the only ones that experience it. And you know what? We're just not that special. It happens every day to everybody. I say that all the time.
2: I'm not any different than anybody else. So if I'm thinking this, someone else is thinking it, too. So, yeah, very yeah,
1: much. You're a good sport, Jeannie. So... Um, We want to learn more about kind of like what, so give us, let us know, what are you working on right now? Like what, what are some projects, what are you working on and then how can people reach out to you?
2: Well, um, COVID has been very challenging for many businesses. I mean, to the point where I feel sometimes like we are psychologists here. I've had grown men crying on the phone because you know, their businesses have been closed for over a hundred days and um, you know, there there's no end in sight. So the projects we're working on is trying to get funding, trying to, um, we've, we've heard unfortunately that a lot of the grants that we rely on may not be funded this year. So uh, I've been working with our legislators to see what we can do to turn some of that COVID relief money into small business relief money, and uh, really working hard to get that, um, that next round of CARES Act funding passed, it's crucial that these small businesses can get the funding to keep them going. Um, It kills me to see these empty storefronts now on some of the small businesses that already were not able to make it. So, um, you know, if we can help anyone there, you do not have to be a chamber member. We will help you any way we can. You can reach out to us at blackstonevalley.org. My email is jhebert not Herbert, Hebert, people stick that little R in there and it bounces back. It's jhebert at blackstonevalley.org or you can call the chamber at 508-234-9090 and talk to any of us here and we will connect you with someone who can help you. And um, you know that's what we're working on. Even on the um, at the Ed Hub, we're trying to get the funding to continue our cohorts here. Uh, we just got word today that on our unfortunately on our reentry grant, the state is probably not going to be funding the. Um, the in-house money that we were relying on because many of the correction facilities are um, having too many challenges. However, the Worcester County House of Correction is not one of them. So working with the legislators to see if the state would not generalize so that we could you know, get some funding because these gentlemen who are being released need jobs. And uh, we wanna give them good jobs. Um, And not saying that's a bad job to say, do you want fries with that? But it's not a job that's sustainable to keep their family going. One young man that uh, got his certification and was going for an interview, and I sent him a text to congratulate him. He said, thank you so much. Now um, I can work towards getting my kids out of foster care. I mean, these are things that you do not think about when you're training these guys, but they live in a different world than we do. And you know, For the grace of God, go I. So, um, you know, it's this funding when, you know, when people cut funding, they don't think about that. It has dire consequences for a lot of people. So, right now, our project is to try to convert some of that COVID money into money where we can give mini grants to small businesses, we can keep our training programs going. We can uh, we have one manufacturer who has fifty one openings. Fifty one openings for skilled laborers. Wow. Yeah. So we really want to train these people because we know we can place them. So yeah. that's our our projects right now. Yeah.
1: Please reach out. You know, Jeannie and her team and what she's doing is amazing guys. Like please reach out to her and, and let's you know let's all kinda pull each other up. So really appreciate your time. I know oh, you're my a pleasure. a person this and fun. Uh, you know, love everything you do. We love you as a person as well. Um, oh,
2: thank you very much. Uh, we you convert Sean so he doesn't go hunting anymore.
0: <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> hunting is a strong word. It's more just walking around the woods.
2: <laughs> well, don't bring your gun with you. My late well, husband now, went hunting against, you know, uh, totally against what I wanted him to do. And he was out in the woods and he fell asleep with his gun and he woke up, the deer was nuzzling him. And he looked at it and he said, oh my God, I
0: couldn't shoot that. It's like shooting a cow. So he said, get out of here before somebody shoots you. (laughs) Yeah, hunting for my cousins is more like grabbing six pack and just walking around the woods until you finish it and then going back. So that's that's about the extent of what we're doing. That's fine. But anyway, well, thank you very that, much. It was great you. to meet you, and so so glad you're on the show today. And um, we really appreciate it. And and uh, believe me, our conting- constituency is very active. So if they have questions, they yeah, will please be reach out to us. And you or calling you, yeah.
2: Do you want a tour of the um, the Ed Hub or the chamber? We're happy to have you here. And as Calm knows, you know we allow our members to use our conference room. Our, we were going to put the uh, InThink logo on our our door because he was using it so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be your second office, it like but five we minutes love it from
1: my house versus me going to the office. It was literally five minutes from my house.
2: Right. So yeah, we have incubator space for our members. So you know, we love helping everyone, and we are the only chamber in Massachusetts that um, do online certificates of origin. So we have members as far away as Maine uh, because of that. Wow. And we're happy to help them, especially during COVID when you really can't do the face to face. Uh, certificates of origin right. so we're very happy to provide that so it was wonderful to meet all of you i think this is a great service you're doing for small business
1: thanks jeannie okay yes thanks jeannie
2: ciao live long and prosper
1: ciao. <laughs> I take care, thank you so much Bye.
0: so this is not so much just for our listeners it's with our listeners we're doing this with them not just for them We're all together in this big, massive, disconnected group called Entrepreneurs.
1: Find us on Facebook and LinkedIn at The Vulnerable Entrepreneurs. Twitter and Instagram at The VE Podcast. The VE, Vulnerable Entrepreneur Podcast. And join the conversation by visiting us on our website, thevepodcast.com and email us at hello at the VEPodcast.com.
0: Thanks everybody for joining us today. That wraps it up. We understand that every minute of your day is valuable and we appreciate you spending time with us today.